Welcome to Peace by Believing. My name is John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and it is a true honor today to get to spend this time with you. And on today's program, I want to talk to you about how you can have victory in the valley experiences of life. You know, life is full of mountaintops, and it's full of valleys, and all of us would prefer to live up on that mountaintop. On the mountaintop, things are going well. We can we can see clearly up on the mountain, but sometimes we find ourselves down in the valley, the valley of loneliness, the valley of discouragement, the valley of physical problems, the valley of unemployment, the valley of a broken heart. And today, as you're listening to this program, you may be going through a valley experience in your life, or maybe if you're not, maybe you're up on the mountain, but you've got a friend who's going through a valley experience or a family member, you might want to pick up the phone right now and just call them and say, hey, turn the radio on, because today they're talking about how you can have victory in the valley experiences of life. Now, before I get into the specific ways that we can have victory, I want to tell you a brief story from my own life, one of the first times, in fact, it may have been the first time in my life that I ever went through a valley experience. I had graduated from Baylor University in 1992 and had four wonderful years there in Waco. And after graduating, I moved to Fort Worth, where I enrolled in Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I spent the next three years of my life there, where I got my master's degree. And I had a great experience, but got off to a bumpy start. When I first moved to Southwestern, I went through a time of real loneliness and discouragement, is putting it mildly. And Depression may be a more accurate way to describe some of the emotions I was feeling at that time. For those of you who have been to college, you know that the college experience is a very social experience. When, when you're in college, especially if you're living on a college campus, you're never for a loss of people who are around there. In fact, that's part of the problem sometimes. There's so many people around that you don't always study as effectively and faithfully as you should. But I had a wonderful college experience, lots of good friends, good roommates in college. And for my last two years at Baylor, I had room with my brother. And we're extremely close and always have been. And so I just had a great time there at Baylor. But when I moved to Southwestern to start seminary, the seminary experience is not as social as the college experience. Most of my uh, classmates were married, and I wasn't married. And so in seminary, it's not the same. It's not like you're just sitting around in a dorm or sitting around your apartment at night watching the ball games together. It's, it's a lot of older people in seminary. And like I say, many of them are married and they have kids, and so they're kind of doing the family thing. And there I was up there all by myself, and I just had a hard time making that adjustment from a very social environment to a much more isolated environment. And as a result, I went through a time of not clinical depression. I was never diagnosed with that at all, but um, I, was, I was just very down. In fact, I was so discouraged that I lost about 20 pounds in school. I had difficulty concentrating and focusing on my classwork. I had 
a great deal of difficulty when I would be reading a book or a chapter or two chapters. I couldn't concentrate. I just couldn't focus very well. And so it just caused all kind of problems for me. And this went on for several months. And I never will forget one Thursday night in April of 1993. Now, that tells you how long ago that's been, 1993. I was leaving my apartment to walk across the street to go back onto the seminary campus and to go to the library where I was planning on studying for quite a bit of time that night. And as I was walking out my apartment door, it was like God spoke to me. Now, not audibly. I didn't hear his voice with my ears. But down in my heart, it was just like God said to me, John, before you go to the library, get a notebook, get a pen, sit down for a few minutes, and I want to tell you some things. And so I knew that it was the voice of God. And so I never will forget, I got a little blue notebook. I got an ink pen. I sat down and I just started to write some of the things that I felt like God had been teaching me in these last several months. And at the top of the page, I just wrote things to remember in the valley because I knew I had been in a valley. And in fact, I kind of felt like I was still in one. But I just began to write down some lessons or truths or just some wonderful things that God had taught me. And anyway, it came out to be six things that I wrote down on that piece of paper in that notebook that night. And not long after that experience, I ended up coming back to First Baptist in Pasadena. This was before I even became on staff or before I came on staff. And my father, of course, was the pastor. And he said, John, I want you to come down here and preach one Sunday night for us. And I did. And I preached a sermon that night called Things to Remember in the Valley. And I gave these six things. And one of the members of our church back then, a godly, godly man, he got, got those things and typed them up. And he began to make little cards that you could put in your wallet that had, it just said, things to remember in the valley. In fact, I'm looking at one of them right now. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's interesting. Years later, my grandfather, who lives back, lived back in Georgia, died. And after my father and my aunt had gone through his belongings and so on, my father ended up with my grandfather's billfold, his wallet. And in that wallet, my grandfather had three things. He had his driver's license, he had a $1 bill, and he had one of these little cards that that man in our church had made up, things to remember in the valley. And I never even knew that my granddad had one of those cards, and I certainly didn't know that he carried it in his wallet for all those years. And it just touched my heart. And so today, what I wanted to do is to spend this time with you in the studio just sharing from my heart six of the greatest lessons that God has ever taught me. In fact, for all these years since then, and it's been over 24 years since God revealed these things to me, these have become kind of like anchors in my life and just really foundations for my own faith. And in these last 24 years, I've been through some other valley experiences. And as I've gone through those times, I have drawn great strength by just reflecting and thinking back to those six lessons God revealed to me that night 
and my apartment in Fort Worth, Texas. And so I want to share these with you today. So if you have a notebook or a piece of paper or something that you could write on, I would encourage you right now, just take a minute and go get that notebook and find an ink pen and you sit down at your kitchen table or you sit down in your living room or in some comfortable chair and I want to give you six things to remember when you're going through the valley experiences in life, no matter what you may be facing today. And again, as I said at the beginning, you may not even be in a valley. You may be way up on the mountain. You've never had it so well. But you would be wise to write these things down because the odds are you know somebody who's going through a valley experience right now. And you could share this with them And I think it would be a tremendous blessing in their life, hopefully in your life too, as it has been in my life. So let me just begin. I'm going to just walk through this list, and uh, hopefully this program today will be a blessing to you. The number one thing to remember in the valley experiences of life is simply this. God is still in control. And I wish you would just write those words down. God is still in control. When we're going through a tough time in life, that's the first thing we need to be reminded of, that God is in control, because when the bottom falls out, it doesn't seem like anybody is in control. But God is. The Bible says in Psalm 103 in verse 19 that God is seated on his throne in heaven and his sovereignty rules or reigns over all. And so the Bible is very clear that God is sovereign and God is very much in control. Now, let me tell you what that does not mean. That does not mean that everything that happens in life was caused by God. I don't believe that God causes people to get cancer. I don't believe God causes people to go through a divorce or a painful breakup. I don't believe that God causes people to lose their job. Back on uh, 9-11, when those terrorists flew those airplanes through the World Trade Centers in New York and into the Pentagon. God didn't cause that to happen. God doesn't cause these calamities. But since we believe that God is sovereign, what we do know is this. God sometimes allows these things to happen. I mean, if God is truly sovereign, he could stop these things from happening. He could have stopped those terrorists from flying those planes in the World Trade Centers. And sometimes we wonder, well, God, if you're sovereign, if you could have stopped it, if you could have stopped my loved one from getting cancer, if you could have stopped me from having this problem, God, why didn't you stop it? Well, we don't always get that question answered on this side of heaven. In fact, a lot of times we don't get it answered. But we know that God is in control. And there's another verse in the Bible that I absolutely love. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29. And that verse says, The secret things belong to the Lord. The secret things belong to the Lord. There are some things we go through in life that fall under the category of a secret thing. It's a mystery to us. We'll never understand it until we get to heaven. Our peace, I heard Chuck Swindoll say this one time, our peace doesn't come from what we can understand. Peace doesn't come from understanding. Peace comes from trusting God with those things we can't understand. Isn't that what Proverbs 3, 5 is talking about? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. And so the first thing we need to remember in the valley experiences of life, God is still in control. Now, the number two thing is so very important, too. It says this, Jesus is sufficient in my valley. Although I've lost so much, Jesus is all I need. I want to say that again so you can write it down. Jesus is sufficient in my valley. 
although I've lost so much, Jesus is all I need. Typically, what happens in the valley is that we have lost something. We've lost a special person. We've lost a friendship. We've lost a relationship. Maybe you've lost a spouse to death and or even to divorce, and you feel like there's been this terrible loss in your life, and you're not quite sure how you can go on uh, without this person or without this group of friends or without that job or something that you've lost. So typically, a valley is characterized by a loss of some kind. But what we need to remember is this. Even though we've lost something or we've lost somebody, we still have Jesus, and Jesus Christ is all we need. There's an old song that says, and I'm paraphrasing it and I may be misquoting it, but something to the effect, when we get to the place in life where we find that Jesus is all we have, that's when we'll discover that Jesus is all we need. And so, friend, I have good news for you today. In the midst of your loss and in the midst of your sadness and grief, you still have Jesus. He has not left you. He promised that he would never leave us or never forsake us. And wherever you may be listening to this broadcast today, in your home, in a hospital, in a nursing home, in a car, you need to understand Jesus is right there with you. And it may be that one of the reasons that God has allowed you to experience this loss, or at least one of the things that God wants to teach you during this difficult time in your life, is that He is still with you. You still have Him, and He is all you need. That's the second thing to remember in the valley. Now, the third thing is simply this. Be patient. Wait on God. Be patient. Wait on God. When we're in a valley, the first thing we want is out of it. That's how, that's how I am. Anytime I've ever been in a valley, my main prayer has been, God, get me out of this valley and put me back up on that mountain. But we have to remember that it doesn't always happen that quickly. The fact is, we, and Charles Stanley says it this way, we learn more in our valley experiences than we do on our mountaintops. If you think about it, in the valley is where growth takes place. And so when we're in the valley, we have to say, God, I want to learn whatever you would have for me to learn. I'm asking you to teach me everything I need to know. And Father, I want to come through this and come out on the other side better and stronger and closer to you. So just be patient. Don't rush it. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't try to solve the problem. If you're out there lonely and you think, man, I don't want to be alone. I want to be, I need a girlfriend or I need a boyfriend or I need a, uh, a husband or I need a wife. You might be thinking that today. You better be careful before you take that into your own hands. You better be patient. You better wait on God. You better make sure it's His will and that it's in his timing, and that you're not getting out there trying to manipulate circumstances. So just be patient. Just wait on God. Remember this. Waiting time is never wasted time if we spend our waiting time wisely. Waiting time is never wasted time if we spend our waiting time wisely. And so as you're waiting on God to strengthen your faith and develop your character and work on your behalf and bring people into your life and open doors for you— you just be patient. Don't get ahead of God. Stay one step behind God. Wherever he leads, you go. But don't go anywhere until he leads. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, well, I can't just sit here and do nothing. Well, friend, you need to do nothing until God tells you to do something. 
And then when God tells you to do something, do it. But as far as taking matters into your own hands, don't do it. Be patient. Wait on God. You seek God. Focus on your relationship with Him and let Him bring you out at just the right time. That's the third lesson. Now, the fourth thing that we need to remember, and I can still remember writing this one down up in Fort Worth so many years ago. My identity comes from my relationship with Jesus, not from anyone or anything else. My identity comes from my relationship with Jesus, not from anyone or anything else. So many times when we're in a valley, again, we've lost something. Maybe you've lost your job, and for you, your identity was all wrapped up in that job. Or maybe you were married and your spouse has died, and you've been married 40 or 50 or 60 years, and so your identity was, in, was kind of wrapped up in your spouse and in, in the fact that you were a couple and, and now you're, you're single. And, and that's just a, that's a difficult thing. Uh, if you've never been through that, I don't even know how, I couldn't even describe it. And you'd have to have been through it to know how, how difficult that can be. And so sometimes we just feel like, my goodness, my identity, even though I didn't mean for it to be, and, and even though it wasn't necessarily uh, a bad thing the way I, I viewed it, but Maybe your identity has come from, from something other than Jesus, and you need to understand that you're complete in Jesus Christ. It's not another person that you need to make you whole. Again, Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, you're complete in Him. You're complete in Christ, and your identity has to come from your relationship with Him, not from a job, not from another person, not from money or anything like that. That's the fourth lesson. The fifth lesson is simply this. Remember past valleys. God took care of you then, and he'll take care of you now. All through the scriptures, we're commanded to be thankful to God for what he's done in the past. Remember what God has done. There's something about looking back on the past. Remember when David was facing Goliath, and here was this young teenager, David, and this big giant of a man, Goliath. And on paper, that, David was no match for Goliath. But as David was going out into that valley to fight uh, Goliath, David said this, he said, The Lord who delivered me from the hand of the lion and from the hand of the bear, he will deliver me from your hand too. And so David looked back to an earlier season in his life when he was back in Bethlehem tending his father's sheep. And on one occasion, at least one occasion, a bear came and tried to uh, devour those sheep. And on another occasion, a lion came and tried to devour those sheep. And David went over there in the power of God and defeated that bear and he defeated that lion. And so when David was facing Goliath, he wasn't just thinking about Goliath. He wasn't just thinking about what he was going through in that moment. He was thinking about what God had brought him through in the past, the, the bear and the lion. And there's something about remembering the faithfulness of God in the past that helps us through the present struggle we're facing. So listen again to this fifth thing to remember. Remember past valleys. God took care of you then. He'll take care of you now. God has not changed. The Bible is clear about that. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so just like God took care of you in the past, God will take care of you in the present and into the future. And then the sixth thing that God told me back in April of 1993, and it's been such a blessing for me for these many years since, and I hope it'll bless you today. Number six, God will provide. He will either deliver you out of the valley or he will sustain you in the valley. Let me say that again. 
God will provide. He will either deliver you out of the valley or he will sustain you in the valley. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you are in a valley today, God's going to provide because he promises to provide for all of our needs in Christ Jesus. And he's going to do that one of two ways. He's going to either deliver you out or sustain you in. Now, if God delivers you out of the valley, what that means is he's about to change your circumstances. If you are sick, he's about to heal your body. If you're unemployed, he's about to give you a new job. If you're lonely and you're single and you pray to be in a relationship, God's, if he's going to deliver you from that, he's going to bring somebody into your life. And so that would be a tremendous blessing. But sometimes God doesn't deliver us out of the valley. He sustains us in the valley. In other words, sometimes we're going through a difficulty and God does not change our circumstances. Now, we always wish that he would change our circumstances, and that would uh, certainly be our preference, make it a little bit easier. But sometimes God leaves our circumstances exactly alone, exactly like they are. He doesn't change our circumstances. He changes us, and he changes us for the better. I think of what the Apostle Paul was going through. He was in a valley experience in his life in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he had this thorn in the flesh. Now, none of us know for sure what that thorn in his flesh was. Maybe it was a physical problem. We know from the book of Galatians that Paul had a problem with his eyesight. So some people say, well, Paul's thorn must have been a vision problem. Maybe it was. We don't know. Some people say, no, I don't think it was a physical problem at all. I believe that it was the, it was the, the enemies that Paul had who were trying to uh, keep him from preaching the gospel. And when Paul said, Lord, remove this thorn in the flesh, what he was saying is these people are a thorn in my flesh. They're preventing me from doing what God's called me to do. So maybe Paul's thorn wasn't physical at all. Maybe it was people who were causing him problems. I'm really glad to be honest with you that the Bible doesn't tell us what the thorn was because if we knew what it was and then that happened to be our problem, then we would say, well, see, look here, Paul and I had the same problem. We would probably become proud, prideful, talking, <laughs> talking about our thorn, comparing ourselves to Paul. So the Bible doesn't tell us what the thorn is. And the reason for that is because it doesn't matter what your thorn is, whether it's physical, emotional, relational, vocational, financial, whatever the nature of your thorn or your valley, it doesn't matter because God is going to be gracious to you and his grace is sufficient. And after Paul had prayed for three times for Jesus to change his circumstances, Jesus said this to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, Jesus was saying to Paul, Paul, I'm not going to change your circumstance, but I'm going to do something better than that. I'm going to give you an extra measure of my grace, and you're going to be better in your life with that thorn, with that situation, and an extra measure of my grace than you would be if you didn't have the problem, but you didn't have my extra grace. And so today for you, you need to remember that one way or the other, God's going to provide. He'll either deliver you out or he will sustain you in the valley. And so I hope today that these six things to remember in the valley will be a blessing to you just like they've been a blessing to me for these many years. And I would just say this in closing. If you have never received Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, the greatest thing that could possibly happen to you in your valley experience would be for you to get saved. And maybe that's why God's allowed you to be where you are now. Sometimes we have to get down before we'll look up. And so today you're listening to this program. That tells me you are looking towards God. You're thinking about God. 
And if you're not sure that you're saved, would you just pray this prayer today from your heart to God's heart? Say, Lord Jesus, in my valley, my greatest need is not to get out of the valley, but my greatest need is for you to join me in this valley. I need you to save me. I'm asking you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Begin now to make me the person you want me to be. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Look forward to being with you next time. Peace by Believing is an extension of the ministry of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you would like more information on how you can have peace with God, go to our website, peacebybelieving.org, and click on the Spiritual Growth tab. If you've received God's peace today by trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for listening today, and we pray that you have a blessed week.